Politics Live on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. It's so good to be with you. It is. It's Wednesday, isn't it? I thought yesterday was Wednesday. Yeah. I said yesterday was our midweek fix. Did you? That's okay. That's how I shared oh, well. it. Of I'm course, do, you guys know again. Pastor Toby. Hey. Chuck Knox. I'm the water boy. We also have on the line with us Pastor Kerry Gordon. But before we get to Pastor Kerry Gordon, make sure you guys share the show. I don't think you understand the currency that that is. In the world where oh, let me go do that Facebook right and YouTube is, try, trying to find it right is now. deleting videos from doctors. Right. Oof. You know, yeah. it's like that's a currency. Let's get that out there. Also, you know, yeah. Yeah, Corona that's... Corona heresy is yeah. now being disciplined. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the they got priesthood. excommunicated from YouTube. Yeah. Uh, make sure you guys also uh, join our club. We're working on some more offers and stuff coming in the club portal. Found it. And everything. You found it. Hey, Sharing. There you go. Mm-hmm. Share. Uh, and uh, join our club. We can't be rowdy Christians engaging in media without you, so make sure you join the club. Are there still any Fight Laugh Feast t-shirts? Are there oh, st- oh, yeah. Every every club member that um, comes in at the, the bronze or above uh, still gets a Fight Laugh Feast t-shirt, and it, it's a fun t-shirt. Man. You, you wear that to the store. It's a fun t-shirt. <laughs> no. You know, it's just a fun t-shirt. I, get, I actually get way more people asking me, so what does that mean? What are yeah. you talking about fight, laugh, feast? Yeah. And I actually get a chance to share the gospel with folks. So. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, it actually works like that. Uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. Right. Have you worn your shirt at all, Toby? No, I gave it to my son. He's been wearing it, though. <laughs> he, he wears it. I, I well, somebody's it. spreading the gospel. <laughs> my son, yeah. <laughs> pastor Kerry Gordon is senior pastor of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa, and president of Peacemakers Institute, presenting a biblical worldview on cultural issues. One of 2016's Des Moines Register's 50 most sought-after Republican influence, influencers oh. and the lead-off presidential voting state. Wow. A former Sioux City Journal Newsmaker of the Year, he and his wife, Molly, have five children. Thank you, Pastor Gordon, for joining us on Cross Politic. Six. Hey, hey, we got to crack that bio. Oh, Pastor, y'all, y'all, y'all baptized them kids. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm glad to be here. No, 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 no. Have you baptized those kids? You baptized have them? I baptized those kids? Those babies? I don't do infant baptism, but I have baptized my older ones. <laughs> okay. They got your last name, though, right? That's right. Okay. Boy. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, you know. Pastor uh, Gordon, uh, so we're in the middle of a uh, crazy the corona crazy and um and we understand that you you have decided your church decided not to shut down to continue with worship um what was the conversation you had with the elders at your church as you made this decision well it was surreal Mm. because the Mm. government under an originalist understanding of the constitution doesn't have any right to interfere in ecclesiastical matters they don't have a right to come and order a church to close its doors. My first reaction was I called our governor and asked to speak with her directly. Mm. And, you know, I, I wasn't able to because she was not available at the time. But I I told her chief of staff or whoever it was I was talking to, I said, you should have respectfully asked the church to consider the merits of closing their doors. You should have never ordered the church to to close its doors mm. because it's not your right. You don't have a right to do that. And, um, you know, so can I inter- interrupt you just real quick, pastor? So if, um, let's, I mean, this has turned out to, I mean, not be the bubonic plague, right. but, but some of the, in- right. the initial reports were, you know, you know, body bags in Italy and all this stuff and mass yeah. graves in China. If it had yeah. been that, would the government have the right to say you all got to close down? No, mm. no, they don't. 
the government does not the government only has the power that the constitution gives it and this nation is built on the idea of self-government mm-hmm. um, i think that church authority ecclesiastical authority is probably more intelligent and in a better position to make the best decisions for their local congregation than some person who has never set foot on the property, who doesn't know anything about the demographics of the congregation, who has no real emotional connection to the safety and well-being of those people. I mean, the idea that any member of the government on any Tuesday is going to have more compassion, more love, more concern, or any duty whatsoever to take care of my church is insulting. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my 25th year in the pastorate. I marry them and I bury them. Mm-hmm. And no one cares about my congregation more than I do. Oof. And uh, we have wonderful medical professionals in our own church. We can keep our own counsel. We don't need the tentacles of, of a disruptive bankrupting, sodomizing, disgusting institution mm-hmm. like what our federal government has become or our state government. Massive. The same ones that murder children every single day. They are the last people that I want advice from That's right. uh, on safety and the importance of life. Mm. If they need my advice <laughs> or any of our advice, we're willing to give it to them. <laughs> But so, all right, I'm, I'm going to keep pushing back. I'm going to keep pushing back here. So let's say the police station, though, gets a call that there's an active shooter in the neighborhood of your church. I think I know how this is going to go. And the, and the police bust in and they say, everybody out, there's an active shooter. Can they not shut your worship service down in that moment? No, they shouldn't do that because I've got more armed people in my church than they've got employed at the police department. I knew that's how that was going to go. I just knew. So, so doctor, uh, I almost called you doctor. dangerous. Yeah. That would be dangerous for the police to do that because we have security. Like, like for example, our detectives routinely don't wear uniforms. Mm-hmm. So if, if an un, unmarked police officer came rushing into the room and someone saw a gun, they might shoot him. Mm. <laughs> so I, I don't think they'd need to do that either. I, I, think, I think what would need to happen is that they would just you know, be reasonable, respectful. But here's the thing. The reason we have the rule of law, the, we, the reason we have constitutional law, the reason that our founding fathers uh, created a decentralized system and left the individual uniquely created um, imago Dei individual human being as the highest authority in this kind of government. And that's, that's what they did. The reason that they did that is because you, you basically get to choose one of two things on your philosophy of government. Mm -hmm. Either the government gives permission for the individual human to exist, Mm. Uh or the individual human being created in the image of God gives permission to the government to exist. Uh You get to pick one. You can't have both at the same time. And as, as soon as you pick that the government gives permission for the individual to exist, you're going to have people mowed down like grass. You're going to have fascism. Eventually, you're going to end up with communism because your premise is a, right. a red carpeting for statist thinking. Right. And statism is destructive of life. It's destructive of liberty. It's destructive of real justice. Statism is in, incompatible with biblical justice in almost every way. Right. It always ends in tyranny, and it always ends in death. 
So it is not a pro-life position to be a statist. Now, this does not mean that there's no such thing as top-down government, because heaven is not a democracy. And you've got to balance those two concepts. That's right. You have to understand ecclesiastical authority is modeled biblically different than civil authority, but they have to be able to interpose upon one another. Let me make it real simple. Does the government have any jurisdiction ever to come into my church and order anything? The answer is yes. At the very moment that I would stand up and declare that I was going to marry two men, <coughs> I think the state should enter my church and say, hey, wait a minute. That's wrong. That's out of line with biological reality and math and science, and, and that could damage all of society. Now, there's a scenario mm. where I think the state ought to interpose and say, this, this church is getting out of line with the laws of nature and nature's God and the Ten Commandments. We can't tolerate that because that's a threat to our civilization. Or if I were to announce that I think we should just start murdering people. You know, if I step outside of God's law as an ecclesiastical authority, if I, if I violate some fundamentals uh, that are set forth in the Ten Commandments, then the government needs to stop me, and I should be removed, and our people should be removed from the building. You, you can't allow, for example, Islam which is incompatible with our way of life, which is if it's interpreted honestly and lived correctly, real fundamental Islam is incompatible with our form of government, with our system of laws, with our constitution. And so you have to be very concerned when uh, aberrant false religions move into Western civilization that are fundamentally opposed to our system of law yeah, uh, because they could step out of line, decide that they're doing Allah a great service to go blow you up in a shopping mall. Right. Yeah. So you can interpose the government can go into a mosque and and stop them from those kinds of things. But the, uh, unless I'm violating the higher laws of God. Out of the law of God, the government has absolutely no business coming into my church doing anything. So, for, 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 but yeah. real quick, I'm gonna okay, let you okay, jump okay. in. Right. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't know if y'all can sense this if you're watching this live right now. But you better hit the share button. You, you're gonna want to hit the share button a couple times. Just tell every friend you got to tune in right now. Share the, share the show. Okay, Gabe, go so, ahead. So, Pastor Kerry, I, I, I feel your pain. Um, mm -hmm. but it seems like the church has gotten itself into its own pickle here. Where yep, we we true. haven't we haven't like exercised like this this civic engagement engagement muscle. Uh, no. What? How did we get to this place in the first in the first place? Well, one hundred years after the Reformation, we had two German preachers that introduced what was largely overwhelmingly for the previous fifteen hundred years of church history rejected overwhelmingly by all of Orthodoxy. Okay. And they introduced the idea that I call pietism. And the idea was that Christianity had become, they alleged, uh, the two preachers, by the way, were Franck and Spinner. Mm. Franck and Spinner. And they introduced this concept that we think Christianity is far too external. We're far too involved in civilization with the magistrates. We're too involved with the political world and the legal world and, and the, how we conduct business downtown and all of these things. Christianity has gone astray. It's too external. We need to be internal. And in review of what they said, they were pointing out legitimate problems in the church, some legitimate issues, but they created a false dichotomy that it had to be an either or. Mm. 
Like we could we could only be totally internal and over spiritualize everything hmm. at the expense of the entire world around us, which is what we've done. Or we would just be, you know, meddling in politics all the time with no concern about the real condition of the human soul. Hmm. And that's a false dichotomy. The, the truth is the scripture has always taught that we must do both. But the problem is Frank and Spinner, although they were literally run out of towns in Germany with pitchforks and, and flaming torches, <laughs> And because everyone knew immediately, this is pure heresy. You people are crazy. Get out of our town. But a um, a terrible king by the name of Frederick heard about these controversial German preachers, and he hated the church. The church was always in his way for all of his diabolical schemes. And he said to himself, I'm going to invest in those boys. And so he said, listen, you're never going to convince the existing church that you're right. Work on the young people. Work on the next generation. I'll help you found a college. Hmm. And that's what they did. Within 40 or 50 years, the heresy of pietism overwhelmed Reformed Germany, and they became the biggest senders of the doctrine of pietism by way of missionary evangelism uh, to the nations of the world. So pietism's roots come from Germany. Two preachers, they were aberrant in church history. There's always been someone in almost every century that in a very small minority said, hey, churches shouldn't be involved in civic matters at all, but they were always rejected as being an error and on an extreme end of a discussion. So what we've done in America is Frank and Spinner, the, piet the pietist movement internalized Christianity. So in the early uh, parts of even our Great Awakening, some of the good things that Frank and Spinner taught made their way into our preaching. And uh, so, like, for example, the term, my personal savior. Right or Jesus come into my heart, uh, the, the phrase, my personal savior, most people think, well, what's wrong with that? Well, when you introduce the concept of a personal savior in 2020 to a generation of people who are taking selfies of themselves all the time, you're going to have trouble because <laughs> we're very narcissistic. <laughs> so we've, been, we've over internalized Christianity at the expense of the external. We've become so spiritual. We're no earthly good. And what we need to do is return to doing both. We should care about the individual human beings and whether or not they're saved and all the issues of redemption, self-government, the fruits of the Spirit. But the Bible doesn't only teach self-government and the fruits of the Spirit and your behavior. It teaches principles of civic government. We must love our neighbors, love ourselves. And we have to go to the law of God in order to do that correctly. So we've jettisoned the law out of our antinomian theology. We've jettisoned the Ten Commandments as the... The, the premise of American law today, even though our founders found that it was, the first 13 states codified the Ten Commandments at the state level, all 13 states. So here we sit, and we're the most lawless, crazy people in the world. We don't understand our own founding documents. Our governors all over this country, with the exception of maybe two, have completely trounced the Constitution throughout this pandemic. And the church is applauding while they do it. Oh. This is how this is a, is a colossal mess. What do you think um, would be an appropriate response from your governor on a legitimate pandemic? On a legitimate pandemic, the appropriate response would be: This is very serious. Uh, we're sorry we got it wrong last time with COVID nineteen. <laughs> I know it's going to be hard for you to believe us now because we really exaggerated <laughs> all of this stuff, but. <laughs> This is a real one. This is a real one. People are, their lives are in danger. This is like an Ebola where there's no cure. There's no treatment. If you get it, you die. Yeah. 
uh, I respect the Constitution, and I know that you have uh, uniquely protected authority because of the First Amendment. And I am not allowed to participate in any lawmaking or any execution of any laws that are made that violate what I'm specifically told I cannot do in the First Amendment. And since I took an oath to the Constitution, I can't order you and I won't order you. But I am pleading with you, Pastor, Mm -hmm. would you consider taking the following recommended measures to protect your flock? And then I would look at that because I care about my people more than they do. Mm. And if it was legitimate, I would do something very, very serious to protect my flock. But that's not what happened, is it? No, not at all. So, but, but, Pastor, Romans 13. <laughs> oh, get your, get your popcorn you, ready. You, yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't care about Romans 13, obviously. Right, and I want to kill half my congregation, too. Because that's financially <laughs> profitable. And I'm just in it for the money. <laughs> And you call yourself the president of peacemakers? <laughs> you know, there's a reason why a pistol is called a peacemaker in the old days. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> you, you have to apply Romans 13 correctly in our kind of Republican decentralized constitutional government. Mm-hmm. Okay? So in a constitutional republic... We do not have a king, and that was deliberate. Yeah. We, we don't have a king. Right. So when we read Romans 13, if it were to use the term king, uh, we would have to plug that into a government that doesn't have a king. Mm-hmm. So then we'd have to ask ourselves a question. Well, in our form of government, since we don't have a man who is called a king, we, we clearly have something that's the equivalent of a king. What is it? Well, as it turns out, in a constitutional republic such as ours, the closest thing we have to a king is the rule of law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And specifically, in the lower sphere of government that we call civil government, I believe ecclesiastical government is much higher. But the low, sort of brutish form of civil government that we enjoy here, who is the king? The constitution is our king. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for Romans 13. I just think you have to interpret it and apply it correctly to our situation. So if you will remove the idea of a king from Romans 13 and just write with your pencil Constitution of the United States and then apply it correctly, we'll be best friends. (laughs) But you can't pretend that we have a man who is a king Mm. or that human beings are allowed to operate outside of uh, just on their whim on however they wake up one morning and decide, I I think that the first, the second, the fourth, fifth, and 14th amendments, I'm just going to throw them aside today and do what I want. That's lawlessness, and that's exactly what's happened. Because if you understand Romans 13, I have to obey uh, the law so long as it comports with God's higher laws. I have to obey the Constitution in the United States. And as it so happens... Since I have a worldview that's correct, aligned with our founders, and I understand that it's the individual person that gives authority to the government to exist, therefore the magistrate, the police officer, uh, the elected official in the you know that passes laws, makes laws, the legislature, the executive branch enforces the laws, the judicial branch who judges and matters, all of these people are extensions, and they sit in their offices by my permission, because we the people. So I have to obey the Constitution, but 
something that's far more dangerous than me or some, let's just say, some guy named Bob here in town decides he's going to go rob the 7-Eleven and he violates the law and he does a stick-up in there with a, with a gun or a knife and says, give me the money out of the cash drawer. Now, that's a terrible thing and it's wrong. And I'm against that and I think all Christians are yeah. because that's lawlessness. Yeah. But I'll tell you something that's more dangerous than Bob with his little knife doing a stick-up at 7-Eleven. The most dangerous thing is if you have people that are uniformed with badges and guns or you have a, an elected governor with authority that can affect not six people at 7-Eleven, millions of people in the oh. state of Iowa for three million people. And you take someone like that and they decide they are going to break the higher law. Now you've got really serious trouble. Right. So I have no credibility to talk about Romans 13 if I'm only willing to apply the principles of obedience to the law to some little guy with three teeth at 7-Eleven oh. a pocket knife, but I am unwilling simultaneously to apply that exact same logic to a governor who is flagrantly violating the Constitution that she or he swore an oath to uphold. That is lawlessness. And so if I'm going to employ obedience to Romans 13, I must stand against tyranny within the confines of a Republican government. Preach, preach up. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, you know, Pastor Gordon, as you're talking, I just keep, I can't help but think, did the church miss a massive opportunity with what just yeah. happened? Yes. Yeah, I, I was being sarcastic when I posted this a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was a couple of months ago. My The time is blending. Yeah. But I said... Um, half joking and half wanting to weep. Uh, sorry, the third great awakening has been postponed since everyone was ripe for the picking. Everyone was ready to hear the gospel. More Americans were, were thinking about God than probably in our lifetimes, but unfortunately the churches are closed right now, so there won't be a third great awakening. Wow, <laughs> wow. So so what do we do? I mean, you, you, you just, I mean, I... I, I don't know. I think I want to go home. Yeah, I just got to go home and cry now. Yeah, I just got to spill spanking <laughs> um, here. What what do what do churches do now? What do they? What do Christians? What do pastors do now? Well, you need to look at your situation in your local church from the demographics where you live, mm. the seriousness of COVID nineteen as it may be happening where you live the age or the vulnerability of the people that attend your church well, where you go to church. And you have to make good judgment calls, pray, ask for the leading of the Holy Spirit, get a multitude of counselors, look at the real situation. Now that we're, you know, six to eight weeks into the data to realize how horrible the data was and how wrong the data was, yeah. um, you can relax a little bit, but you still have to make wise decisions but they can't. You can't apply New York standards where it's terrible to Iowa. We I, we are in the middle of a cornfield out here. Yeah. You know, we just don't. We've yeah. had like one person die who was old, and they weren't even in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I think they found out they had COVID after they were dead. Right. So, like we've had, I think the most hospitalizations, if my memory serves me correct, through the whole pandemic, at one time in any hospital. We have big hospitals. There were like twelve people. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we didn't have a serious outbreak here. So the way I handle this is going to have to be different than how a preacher will handle it in New York. But, you know, the first thing you do is you filter your situation 
through the highest laws of the universe, through the law of God. What does the law say about quarantining the sick? Well, it says you quarantine the sick. It doesn't say you quarantine the healthy. Right. So that would be wrong. And then secondly, uh, you you filter your decision through what's going on in my town. Is this, does this, I mean, if I got a congregation and everybody's over 60 years old, I'm going to be more concerned than right. my congregation, which I honestly, I think we have 15 people that are probably vulnerable out of, you know, 450 people. Uh-huh. So um, pastors have to make their own local decisions with their own elder boards or their, their, own, their own authority structure. And then if you decide, you know what, the government is messed up. You shouldn't have done this. We're going to open our church. And I made that decision last Sunday. We never closed our church, but what I did do, um, trying my best to show honor and respect under Romans 13 for what are probably very sincere good motives from our governess uh, to protect lives, but at the same time, um, interposing and rejecting and condemning her abuse of the Constitution and, and overreaching in her authority and not being respectful and polite in how she did it. Yeah. Uh, we held our services outside, and that meant Easter Resurrection Sunday was in the middle of a blizzard. It was interesting. <laughs> wow. So we, we've been outside. I've gone for, I'm almost frozen to death, and I've also had my son, a uh, terrible sunburn. I'm Scottish. I burned. <laughs> the skin falls off of my face. So it's been fascinating. Uh, but I made the decision last Sunday, irrespective of whatever the governor decides, we're looking at the data. I've got doctors in my church. I've got very wise people. I'm not incredibly stupid myself. We, we can make decisions. And I just said, yeah, we're going back inside. My plan, I spent half of Monday writing a letter that I was sending to the police chief, to the governor, and to the sheriff's department to inform them, I'm going back inside my church. It is not in your best interest to interfere with me. I'm going to sue all of you if you bother. <laughs> but I will. I I do honor your office. You're there for a reason. So, knowing that I am going back in, whether you say so or not, if you here's my plan for safety. If you would like to make some suggestions mm. on things we could do to be safer when we when we go back in next week, you're welcome to contribute ideas. We're certainly open to your wisdom. But what won't accept is totalitarianism and authoritarianism. You're outside of your jurisdiction. You have no right to have done any of this. And I'm not going to tolerate it another single week. So you can imagine how much work I put into that. Then at noon, after I'd done that all morning and I told my church the previous day, we're going back in the church and everyone was honking their horns and happy. (laughs) (laughs) She came out and she announced that we could go back to our churches next Sunday. (laughs) There you go. Have have you also... I won't get arrested, I think, by the end of this. I made it through. I could have been arrested the first several Sundays. Yeah. Thankfully, I think that our police chief and sheriff's department, based on my own intelligence that I got from some folks on the inside, they decided that they wanted to just stay away from me because they knew that I would drag them into the media. Yep. And um, I wish I could say that they left us alone because they understand the Constitution. Maybe mm. that's true, but... I. I don't I don't probably think so, but um, we crossed the Rubicon. I mean, it breaks my heart. I mean, I could cry. I could laugh. I mean, that first Sunday. We were not we were not given permission to have church in our parking lot. In fact, her proclamation said 
she was absolutely uh, giving the police the authority to arrest anyone who violated her proclamation. And she specifically said, no parades of vehicles. So someone could have come and arrested me the first Sunday because we had a parade of vehicles in our church parking wow. lot, hundreds of them. And it's been, it's been very stressful. I'll be honest, I need a vacation. Yeah. This has been really stressful. Yeah. I've had to get up and preach knowing I could be arrested every single Sunday. Yeah, almost like living in China. That's not easy to go through. I mean, I'm just being honest with yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, Amen. Before we go, I do want to ask you right now. You got a lot of churches, and not just churches. Every religious group right now is watching New York, and you got churches that are in New York. You saw what yeah. uh, Mayor De Blasio put out on his tweet after I think it was a funeral from a Jewish company, a Jewish yes. Jewish community. community. Yeah, um, basically threatening and telling and telling the police, you know what? That's enough. I've had it. I'll arrest you guys <laughs> if you continue to do this. What what would be your advice for a church that's out there in New York right now? It would be similar to everything that I've just said. Yeah. I think that you would have to prayerfully consider doing what I did. And this is, this is what I prayed. I asked the Lord. I said, I went to the Lord in prayer. And I said to him, if it will further the purpose of the gospel, mm. if it will further your kingdom, please let them arrest me. Amen. And then I did what I knew was right by the scriptures. And um, we demonstrated the ability to use good self-government to reasonably protect our people. Uh, but at the same time, to not violate the higher law that we must assemble. We have to assemble on the Lord's day. Yes. Yeah. And can't let lower law trump higher law. You have to find a way to do both at the same time, and that's what we did. And I would suggest to those men who are facing this kind of tyranny to prayerfully do the same thing and say, Father, I'm going to obey you, not men. And if it will further the kingdom, if it will further the gospel, then I am willing to suffer for Christ. Mm. Let them come and arrest me Amen. And, and then go through that with the grace of God to be used by God as a vessel in this hour and put up with all the hatred and the mocking and all the garbage that you'll endure for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then, you know, the Lord apparently saw fit to not have that happen to me. I don't know why, but I was willing to do it. He might he might have just decided that I didn't have the temper to get through that safely. So I <laughs> Well, that's encouraging, though. It, seriously, that was really good. seriously, yeah, encouraging. Really appreciate your work, your ministry, and Amen. great, great to have you, mm. Pastor Kerry Gordon. That. Pastor Kerry Gordon, Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Pastor, thank you for joining us, Cross Poly. I feel like it's offering time. Just go ahead and bring your offerings in, and we <laughs> we didn't have some little church here. If you're, <laughs> if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them until Sunday. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. And pray for your pastor. You see what yeah, they're going through? Exactly. My goodness. Man, that's right. That's good. That's yeah. good. Share it again. Yeah, share it. Share, share, share it with everybody. Yeah.